come to church, get out early. Go get something to eat and take a nap. Man, a day like today, you want to get out, get something to eat, go get some soup or something. But, man, today's a good day to just lay on the couch and do absolutely nothing. All right? And so I'm excited about this afternoon. I am. My buddy told me he got me some ducks, and so I might take a nap and then cook me some beautiful crispy duck with some nice orange marmalade sauce on it and get it nice and crispy, cook some good vegetables, use the duck fat to put over the potatoes, and I'll just be so happy. (laughs) Then I take another nap. (laughs) Life-changing. You ever had these life-changing moments. You know, we, we have those. It's like when you graduate high school and you realize that you're either going to go to college or go to work. For some people, that's life-changing. You get out of college and then you have to find a job, right? So everything is a process for us. Hey, you fall in love. You find this girl of your dreams. At least you think she is. <laughs> find this man of your dreams. Oh, I love you. I love you. You spend hours on the phone saying nothing. <laughs> right? Then you reach this magic moment where you don't even want to talk to him no more. Right? You have a child. What a life-changing moment that is. Right? So many different things. Whether it's marriage, getting out of school, everything in life is a process. Right? It's a process. And then somehow or another... Life becomes more than all of those things. And you start thinking of eternity. And through whatever process that God gets you to where he's getting you. There's this aha moment in your life. Where you were giving your life to Christ. And now there's something within you that cries out for some spiritual understanding. To be saved is a life-changing moment. Right? That's a life-changing moment. And in the process of that, you, you find that the church is no different from life. That you go to church and you try to do all the right things, but you start realizing very early in life that the church is not perfect. Now, in my journey, everyone has a journey, right? In my journey, trying to discover 
everything about me, my purpose in life, the reason I'm here, the reason for being. When I'm looking at Cliff and all the things that have gone on in my life, can I honestly say that there's probably a few chapters in my life that I probably don't want you to read? In this book of life, right? In this book of life, if you had your way, how many would you just close off some of those chapters? I would. Somebody said, well, I, they can read my whole book. I don't want you reading my book. <laughs> I don't want you to know, right? So even now, when I give my testimony, I always give the sanctified part of it. I only tell you what I want you to know. There's stuff I ain't going to tell you. Right? There's some things I don't want you to know. Now, I have realized that, you know, even in my own life, I have, I'm trying to discover all these things that most of some of those experiences that I had early, they weren't pleasant. And if I could make some changes, I would. And when you talk about changing your life and you hear this word about being spiritual, there are often phrases that sometimes people use when they start talking about, you know, church. It change your life. I remember some people were witnessing to me one time. They told me, you need to change your life. You're going to go to hell. At that particular point in time, I really wasn't interested in what they were saying. I remember one person looked at me and said, you're going to die and go to hell. What are you going to do then? And I said in my brilliant way, I'm going to be smoking some dope. <laughs> I said, I'm going to give the devil the best dope he has ever had. We're going to have a party. How many of you know we won't be having a party in hell? But my mind said at that time, when you don't really... Think about spiritual things. When, when, when spiritual things are not part of your life, it's easy to not have any conscience. Right? Because you're just living for the moment. You know, when you start thinking about spiritual things, is when you're walking down the road and you're half stoned and a truck come by and hits you at 45 miles an hour. Yep, I thought about spiritual things, right? I felt blessed. I did. I got hit by a truck going 45 miles an hour. Even the highway patrolmen, when they came, they're like, boy, you are lucky to be alive. Well, change your life. What's this word? Keep changing my life. Keep changing my life. You know, you know God has a way of irritating you. Everywhere you turn around, somebody like, you need to change your life. You need to change your life. You to change your life. You need to shut up. <laughs> I claim Bon Jovi. It's my life. <laughs> All right. And so, and when you start thinking about spiritual things, can I tell you it's not an accident? I'll tell you it's not an accident that 
Even the most unpleasant things that happen in your life, can I tell you that God still has you? Can I tell you? He still has you. And oftentimes it's in those moments where you, you're, you're being steered to something that, that's going to change your life. And, and listen, you have to come to an understanding that the process of changing your life and going to church is not without the church being flawed or its leaders being flawed. So if you go into churches with expectations that everybody is sane, you'll be in trouble. If you think everybody is going to love you with the love of Jesus, no, they won't. And in this process, you cannot blame God for the way that people represent who he is because it doesn't change his real character. Right? It just means they have a poor representation of representing who he really is. And so some of these wonderful things that I remember when I, I got saved and, and, and in the process of uh, my, my dear sweet Rosa, you know, helping me, you know, coming out of the mental institution and, and, and Rosa taking me to church. I was the only little white thing up in the church. I learned how to dance from a Walter Hawkins record player. It was causing so much trouble. <laughs> Even Rosa said, I think you need to find a white church. <laughs> oh, <come on>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my folks hated her. They hated her. They hated her. They did. They hated her. Didn't stop me from loving her. <laughs> hated her. She pulled up with Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene, she was a fine black woman. She was beautiful. I remember my stepfather looking out the window at CNN. Lord have mercy, Desmond. Boy, he called me over there. He said, let me tell you something, boy. Now we're all grown, right? Okay, I'm going to say it like this. He said, I ain't having no little black babies running around here. You know he didn't say black, right? Yeah. <laughs> Took her to church. She had such a great time. He come over to my house the next day, knocking on the door. Man, lit me a new one. He said, I heard you carried my niece to a church. I'm like, she got saved. It was so wonderful. I'm like, wow, how's she doing? And let me tell you something. I remember him looking, pointing his finger in my face and said, don't you ever. Blah, 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 blah. I remember looking at him and I'm like, because he said, you know, black people have their church and white people have their church. And I'm like, and I looked at him. Now, you know, when you're just saved, sometimes you're smarter than the people that have been saved all their life. 
I said, I didn't know a lot about the Bible. I didn't know all this kind of stuff. I just looked at him and I'm like, I'm confused. When we get to heaven, is black people going to be on one side and white people on the other? And I waited for an answer. And he just looked at me. And do you know, he could not answer me. He just got that. You heard what I said. I was like, wow, ain't that something? Now, that was, that was a life-changing experience for me because, like, you're thinking that when people say they love Jesus, they love Jesus, right? You take everybody at their word that they say that they love Jesus, and then you get shocked and realize not everybody loves Jesus the same way. Right? And so I'm looking around. Now, the guys that I hung around, that if, if, if somebody was going to beat my rear end, they have to beat all of our rear ends, right? All right? Because we were tight together. And so, and that's the way, that's the way I am. You, you know that. I ain't, ain't going to let nobody mess with you, right? I don't. I won't. And if, if, if me and you have an issue, me and you can. But I ain't going to let nobody else talk about you, Right? Somebody said, how do you know you got real friends? What's a real friend? I, I, I told you, and I live by this friend. I, I don't worry about what my friends say about me. I really don't. We can have an argument, things. We'll get over it. It's fine. My friends can talk about me. My real friends are determined not by what they say about me, but what they allow others to say about me. Right? Come on, talk to me. Right? I mean, you can have, you know, our disagreements, but we'll be friends, right? You just don't let other people talk about your friends. I truly believe that, right? Come on, say amen. amen. They're frenemies. Right? And so I realized some of my greatest lessons growing up in the church came from the church because if you truly want to know how to act like Christ just hang around the people who say that they love him and you'll see the difference I had so many wonderful experiences somebody say amen, amen. I remember somebody says you need to read the word you need to get baptized you need to pray praise God you need to get filled with the spirit you need to start tithing Hallelujah. Become a member, right? Get involved. You witness to other people. So many different things. Just depending on what culture you were raised in. Because believe it or not, Christianity has become a culture. What culture you were brought up in means that for some of us, we were told... No more smoking, no more drinking, and no more fooling around. Come on, somebody say amen. We were told no movies. No makeup. Women became scary. Ah, no jewelry. Jewelry will send you to hell. Take that class ring off. Boy, it's a demon. It means I graduated. (laughs) 
Isn't there some congratulations in order? Right? So you got to take off your jewelry. Man, you couldn't play cards? No poker night. Poker's up the devil. You couldn't play pool. Because pool was the devil stick. Leads to gambling. I was confused. Because every Catholic that I knew loved bingo. <laughs> bingo! <laughs> oh, man. Hey, you could not go to the pool with the opposite sex. Which just killed me, people. I'm telling you. I'm like, I like to swim, but not with a bunch of boys. You know what I mean? I was like, this church stuff is for real. I mean, you got to be really dedicated. I imagine me and Gillis swimming together. Wow. And that some you couldn't go to the beach. Look, church is a must on Wednesday night. It's a must on Sunday morning, and it is an absolute must on Sunday night. There is no Super Bowl Sunday. It's just another Sunday night that we put Jesus first. Right? And if you were caught staying at home because of the Super Bowl, you can guarantee a sermon was going to be preached on you. Right? Stay home, watch that television. Men running around with a pitch can. I thought to myself, I'm like, man, everything's a sin. I couldn't keep up, people. I said I couldn't keep up. Y'all so quiet. I said I couldn't keep up. That is the, like, the, the idea that you're supposed to say, me neither. I wanted to watch the Super Bowl. I remember sitting in the church and, and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm dedicating myself. And I'm like, please hurry up and shut up. <laughs> and he would just go on and on. It seems like every time there was a Super Bowl that, you know, Sister Sally would have to get up and go, ah, and run around the church. And the next one run around the church. And the next thing you know, I'm just sitting there, sitting there, sitting there, sitting there, sitting there. And I'm like, couldn't you have waited? I mean, did you just have to ruin it for all of us? I mean, there's some real men in the house, right? We love football. And it seems like that culture preaching just like, wow. And listen, I'm coming up and, 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 and listen, can you imagine entering into the church coming from my lifestyle? And this is what I got to look forward to every Sunday. I'm like, wow. Put me back in the mental institution. I was more comfortable. I was amongst my people. These are my peeps. Because the church was crazy. Now, the difference is, I can honestly tell you, 
The experience that I had with the Lord was life-changing. See, I'm going to say something to you. I fell in love with Jesus. Now listen, I love church. But I love the church. Some people love church. But I love the church. What is the church? The church is the body. That's the body. I remember this guy stood up and he said, I was raised in the church of God. We were at camp meeting. Been in the church of God all my life. I cut my teeth on a church of God pew. Hallelujah. And then started singing, the church of God is right. The church of God is right. And I was just thinking to myself, I'm like, my friends wouldn't like you. They wouldn't even want to be around you. You're too stuffy, dude. Right? I can't even imagine bringing all my friends to come listen to you because they would look at me and say, what? They wouldn't want, they wouldn't want to be around you. They wouldn't, they wouldn't want to listen to you. The only influence that you would have over their life is to run them out of the church. And then I noticed that Jesus, when you look at everything that he did, he just loved people. He loved sinners. And then I started getting some of the greatest shocks in my life because then I, I realized because as you're, you're, you're in church and now you're, you're, you, you hear stuff and you see stuff. And then I saw people that to me were being abused. And I was like, wow, that don't make any sense to me. Listen, do you know that you could kill somebody? Go to prison. Get out in 25 years. And the church will welcome you with open arms and give you a microphone and say, preach, son, preach. Preach about the redeeming grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Tell us what the Lord has done for you. But Lord have mercy. Go through divorce. There's no forgiveness for divorce. You are now broken. You're unusable. You're unlikable. It's over for you. And I watch good people suffer. And I'm just like. Why would you let somebody suffer? There's a right. There's a wrong. Why would you tell that woman that she has to stay with an abusive man? Why wouldn't some of you guys go to the house and, and, and beat some Jesus into him? That's what I would do. I'll smack him. Do you?
Like, he would understand. That's how you preach to people. That's what I'm like. I don't like what I'm hearing. I don't like what I'm seeing. But where am I going to go? Because this is the place that's supposed to represent everything about the Lord. And so I've watched how each culture represented him. And I thought to myself, what a wonderful thing it would be if we would stop with all this cultured Christianity and we would just study the characteristics of how Christ treated people. And we would learn that there's a way that Christ loves people. And the representation of who he is is so important. Can I, can I tell you that it's not right when people need ministering to and they get judgment? Right? Because the church is supposed to be a place where people can get help. Listen, I'm... I have no stones to throw at anybody. We don't change the word for anyone. The, the word is the word. But you have to be careful because the Bible tells us that we should have a tender heart and we should consider ourselves lest we're tempted the same way. We should be careful about saying, I would never do that. We should be really careful about saying, not my child. Hmm? Can I tell you that your children are capable of doing stuff that you don't know about? Hmm? Right? They are. You're <laughs> right, Thomas. Hmm? No. I, I realize that. Listen. Being spiritual is a process. It doesn't happen overnight. That was one of my great revelations. Because as, as much as I wanted to say everything right, do everything right, I realized that, man, there were still things going on. Do you know that deep down inside of you that there are critters? Critters. You know you have critters, right? Some of you, they're so deep down way that you, you forget that they're there. But then when conflict arises in your life and stuff starts happening, critters come back alive, right? Because you never truly understand just how spiritual you are until conflict arises in your life. And then the real you comes alive. What's the goal of the church? The goal of the church is to represent who Christ is. So one of the things that you do is you start building a foundation with people. So that once that foundation is good, it's strong. Then you teach your people how to. You teach them how to fish, how to draw people in. Because now it's not about just 
the church, it's about the church. And, and listen, he specializes in helping messed up people. Look at your neighbor and said, you should have said amen. <laughs> See, the church used to drive me crazy because I was like, you understand that when I got saved, the last thing on the planet you needed to do was give me a microphone, right? <laughs> I mean, it's been years, and, and you know, my language is better now, right? <laughs> but you can you imagine some of my first sermons? <laughs> I cussed, and I didn't think bad about it, right? You know, real religious people will pick out the word that you said that they didn't want to hear and miss the whole message of what you said. It's true. That's what you took out of the conversation. I'm sorry. <laughs> right? And then you become polished. You know, you get more polished. I'm polished now, right? Yeah, refined. <laughs> all I know is that say whatever you want about me when I'm having influence over people's lives and so if you want to find fault with me just look behind me and see how many people that I'm trying to take to heaven with me and when you look behind yourself how many folks is following you I get up early and I work late. I love people. I do the best that I can to be the greatest representation that I possibly can. Sometimes I miss the mark a little bit, but those people on the highway don't know me. <laughs> Say amen, you spiritual people. Right? I mean, how many of you glad that the people that you have seen sometimes in your worst moment don't come to church with you? It's a process. Its leaders are flawed. They are. Listen, uh, when I first got saved and went through all that process, let me tell you, uh, Rosa, bless her sweetheart, such a powerful influence. I, she knew a man that she told me about and she liked this man and she said this is the church he goes to and so I went to that church and I really felt strange amongst the people but the guy that was speaking the preacher who was speaking man he was so wow I'd I, I never seen somebody that had that kind of energy and he talked like he talked to God. And when I heard him, and I was listening to him, and he was talking like God talks to him. And I was like, wow. I'm like, I'd like to know what that feeling is like. And this preacher, he was so convincing that God spoke to him. That I was like, wow. I was intrigued. 
And I felt something. And it began to stir me. And I, I remember I, I went to church that Wednesday night, that Sunday morning, that Sunday night. And, and the next week, uh, I went on Wednesday night, but I had to work on Saturday night. And so I could not make church on Sunday morning. And so I got home. It was about 12 o'clock or so. And I, I laid down. And my mama come and got me out of the bed like 3 o'clock, 3.30. And she says, there's someone here to see you. And so I got up and I went to the door, opened up the door, and the preacher man was standing there. And I looked at him and I'm like, what you doing here? He said, well, I missed you this morning. And I'm like, what? He said, I missed you. I'm like, you missed me? He said, yes. And he pointed his finger at me. He said, I want you to know God's got great plans for your life. That was the first time I ever fell in love with a man of God. It did something to me. Now, I know that might not be significant for some of you. But for me... The preacher man came to see me. I was like, <laughs> he did. He came to see me. And so I fell in love with him and I began to shadow him. And so that's when I saw that old broken down bus that was parked in the yard. And I asked that preacher man, what you doing with that bus? He said, well, he says, it's all broke down. It's all nasty. I'm like, what do you do? He said, well, we used to pick up people. I'm like, you don't pick them up no more? It's like, well, no, it's kind of phased out. And I'm like, can I have that bus? He said, what you going to do with it? I said, I'm going to go pick up some people. He said, ain't nobody going to get on the bus. I said, well, can I try? He said, well, can you drive a bus? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> As many cars that I took, I mean, what's, what's a bus, you know? <laughs> I shouldn't tell it. I shouldn't tell it, but I did. <laughs> and so I cleaned that old bus up, and look, I went right straight to the project that was across from the church. And I started knocking on people's doors. And they come to the doors. I tell them who I was. I'm like, hey, I, I, I go to church over. And I'll tell you, it was East Rocky Mountain Church of God. And I was like, I go to church over there. And I'm like, I'd like to pick your kids up and give you a break. I pick them up early and then I bring them back. And then you guys can sleep and do whatever you want. It worked. I mean, folks were shoving the kids out the door. Here, here, here. Look, now can you imagine, first moment, true story, can you imagine, can you imagine? Here I am, I pull up in the churchyard and got 50 plus kids on that bus. And all of a sudden, all these, these kids 
untrained kids come off that bus like Comanche maniacs and overtake the church. I got probably more kids than there are people in the church. It started a revolution, so to speak. I had a Volkswagen and I started cramming it full of people. I'd pull up in that church, miracle from Jesus. Got 12 people shoved up in a Volkswagen, <laughs> arms hanging out, legs hanging out. And they start unwinding. And I'd bring them in the church. And I remember the pastor looking at me and saying, wow. And he asked me if I would preach a youth revival. And I remember they went to the prison. This one lady who had been around me. And she brought a whole van load of at Fountain at that time was a boy's home. And she brought a whole van load of young men to that service. I'd never preached. I didn't know what preaching was. I didn't have any idea about any stuff. All I did was get up and tell my story. The second night, that I stood up, something changed. And just like today, I felt that same anointing. And then things that I had no idea that I could ever know, he began to share with me. And one by one, I saw the effect that it was having on people. And I saw those young men run to the altar. And each of these processes, from one place to the other, every journey I've had, every place I've ever been, It started by simply falling in love with Jesus. I didn't understand all the politics. I didn't understand all the stuff. It confused me. They confused me. They invited me on the doctor program. And so now this question comes up about divorce. And I hear all these guys that they begin to speak and they give all this theology and it comes to me and I simply say on TV, which woman are you talking about? Because they had several wives. And they're like, what? And I'm like, you do understand that they had several wives. So when you start talking about divorce, which woman are you talking about? You know, Father Abraham had more than one wife, don't you? Moses had more than one wife. Moses had an Ethiopian woman. 
Moses went black. <laughs> but read your Bible. Joseph had more than one wife. Jacob, go down the line. Don't even get me started on Solomon. Who said Solomon? Boy, you've been reading the Bible too much. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. It was, it was a culture kind of thing. It was culture. Are you saying, Pastor, that men should have more than one wife? No. You lost your mind? One woman is enough. Right? If you got one like I got, yes, absolutely. Plus, she's going to kill me if I try to bring another one in the house. And she's going to kill the other one. My wife going to say real quick, we ain't Jews. <laughs> Hallelujah. Stop preaching like Jesus was born in Alabama, people. Know your Bible. Know your Bible. Know your Bible. God put sign up, said, in this church we only read the King James. You're stupid. It wasn't written in King James. And so a lot of how you grow up what you believe, all those kinds of things. It's what people are shoving down your throat. And you better be careful about what you eat. Because the truth is liberating. It's, just, it's, it's, it's absolutely refreshing. Very liberating. And have mercy. I can't even get to the favorite part of my story. Because I love this woman. Because culture of that day, when the Pharisees wanted to invite Jesus over, all the big shots, all the religious leaders, everybody, the who's who of the religious world is in this home. And Jesus has been stirring up all kinds of stuff. He, he, man, he, he's, he's making way. There's a new ministry in town. And all the Pharisees want to know who he is. They, they want to get close to him because people are talking about Jesus. Now he's, doing, he's doing crazy stuff. Folks are getting healed. Demons are coming out of folks. Let me tell you something. When demons start coming out of people, people start talking. Right? You've been blind from birth and all of a sudden you see word get around. Right? All these phony baloney people about they got somebody healed in Pasadena at their last meeting. Well, there's a hundred blind people in your meeting tonight. Heal them. And I promise you, if one of them sees, I will gladly give you some money. <laughs> Amen? Look, if there's a totally blind person in this and, and they come up and I pray and their eyes are open that's that's a good indicator right there that, that folks folks have lost their mind and they want to believe something so bad that they'll believe anything that's put before them come on talk to me uh, who's who 
And Jesus shows up at the house. And there's a certain atmosphere that these Pharisees begin to show Jesus. And one of the greatest lessons you can learn, you're going to learn about next Sunday when you come to church. <laughs> and it's one of the most powerful lessons that you can learn when it comes to how to approach God, how to, you know, for those of you that have trouble in your life, there's some things. I, I want you to understand, he specializes in messed up people. And, and, and you're not, listen, regardless of what they say, the, the thing that used to drive me crazy, somebody would get saved, and then two weeks later, they would have them teaching a Sunday school. Just drive me crazy. I'm like, boy, you're going to mess him up. You're going to mess him up. He's not ready. Don't, don't, don't do that. He, he's not ready. And, and because if you think that there's this magic potion that you get saved and then all of a sudden, you know, just because they rub you on it or spread some oil on you and then all of a sudden you turn into super Christian. You went from being like the messed up person in the world and now all of a sudden, now you're supposed to carry this mantle of uh, I'm, I'm saved. And I got it all together. But deep down inside, you know, there's critters. But they have asked you to teach a Sunday school room. Right? And now they put you in a position where you got to perform. Because you know you're crazy. You just don't want them to know you're crazy. And then when all stuff shatters in your life and now it becomes exposed, the same people that put you in the position are the same people that will crucify you. I seen it. I seen it. I seen it. I seen it. And I was like, why would you ever do that I want to tell you something Jesus loves you as crazy as you are when that preacher told me that God had great things for me I believed him I believed him I believed him That's all it took. You know me. That was the beginning. Somebody taking time. If I could get you to understand just how important your influence is to the people around you. You could be the very person that changes a life forever. You say, but I'm crazy. So what? We all crazy. Crazy's good, right? If you can dare to believe, right? You can dare to believe that God can do something. 
and you can get up every morning and there's a purpose in your life. And you'll look and you'll say, who you want me to see today? Who you want me to talk to today? Who's influence? But if you look up at the Lord and say, I was tired. I have learned that the Holy Spirit will give you strength to do what the normal person will never do. Come on. And can I tell you one more time? I love you. You understand? I love you. I think you're the greatest people in the whole wide world. And let me tell you something. I think that you're the ones. I think you're the ones. I think you can make a difference in this city. A difference in people's lives. And the next thing you know, we be surrounded by crazy people like you. <laughs> we'll change the name of the church. The Wilson Crazies. <laughs> Father, let your Holy Spirit just minister. Minister to every heart. Open up our eyes. Open up our ears. Help us to get to this place, Lord, where loving you is the most important thing. Thank you for what you do for us. We honor you. And we're grateful for where you have brought us from. I sure love you, Lord. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You see every heart that's here? They're yours. Some of them are experiencing some things, going through some things. And so, Father, as we just enter into an atmosphere, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just be with us.